Hello and welcome to the UK Personal Finance Show with Phil Anderson, the podcast designed to give you all the financial advice you'll ever need. This is episode 124, where in a moment we discuss end of year tax planning. That's in a second, as I say, but please bear in mind, if you have a general financial query, you're in the right place because we have an enormous resource of free advice right here. You can access it all simply through delving into our back catalogue of shows because in our programmes to date, we featured loads of stuff, mortgages, investing, wills and powers of attorney and heaps more. You name it, we've done it pretty much. Last time we looked at credit impaired mortgages with guest Kim Laxey of Mortgage Advice Bureau in Elgin. Remember, we can drill down and focus on pretty much anything. Find the UK Personal Finance Show with Phil Anderson on Apple or wherever you get your podcasts and you'll get us there. As I say, an enormous resource, all available for free. Find our previous shows after listening to this one and have a binge on what you need. Whilst you're there, if you could rate and review us, for instance, you could tell us what we need to address to help you out and follow the show. And in that way, you'll get that episode when we record it next time. I'm John Ellis. Joining me as always, the star of our show, Phil Anderson. Hi, Phil. Hi, John. How's things? Good, thank you. End of year tax planning. I shuddered a little bit there. This is the, uh, the sort of time you start to hear about... Famous celebrities claiming they had no idea they were practicing tax avoidance. They just left all that sort of stuff to their accountants. Or government ministers claiming the fact they had 27 million in another account they hadn't declared was a silly mistake, a clerical error. Good luck trying that routine when it comes to paying your tax bill. But I guess, Phil, when it comes to paying tax, nobody wants to have to pay more than they owe. And there are certain things you can do within the law, which means you're, you're financially planning well, as opposed to being a crook. And I guess that's what we're exploring today. So, Shall we start with the easiest one? I mean, when exactly does the tax year end and which which tax year are we talking about? Yeah, so the tax year runs from the 6th of April to the 5th of April. So the, the current tax year ends on the 5th of April 2023 and the day after the new tax year starts. And, and at the minute, I'd say it's a good time of year to be having a look at things because there's been a lot of changes to, to various allowances. And like you say, I mean, you, you've got like tax avoidance and, and tax evasion. And th- there's legitimate ways that people can sort of reduce the tax that they pay. So that, that's the sort of things that we'll, we'll cover today. But the, the fiscal year or tax year, it runs from the 6th of April to the, the 5th of April each year. Not to get it mixed up as well, I mean, just recently on the, the 31st of January, that was the date for people submitting their their self-assessment tax returns Mm. but that's a a sort of slightly different thing again as well but the the actual tax year end is coming up in in april in a few months time okay so an important time to be looking at at financial and tax planning will everyone who's savvy about their money be going through the same sort of procedure right now then yeah i mean as the the end of the tax year approaches it is a perfect time just to ensure that you've kind of that one that your financial affairs are in order, so it's always good to to be reviewing that. But it's also good to double check that you've taken advantages of all the tax efficient allowances that's out there, and that's the sort of thing that we'll, we'll go through today. So things like ISAs, pensions, all the other various allowances that that people have got, and for some people, some of them will be more relevant than than others. But at the last budget, many of the allowances were either frozen or reduced. Now. If an allowance is frozen, a lot of people just think, oh, well, it's the same as before. But with inflation being high, I mean, inflation was over 10% at the last time they, they'd give us the figures. And 
if your allowance for something stays the same, in real terms, it's actually gone down. So inflation has a, a big part to, to play in things as well. So again, that's stuff that we, we'll cover as we go through the show today. Okay, as you say, there are financial vehicles, let's say, which which can help. The one I always remember are ISAs. You mentioned those, and that allows you to put away a certain amount every year tax-free. But, but there are loads of others, I'm sure, as well. So maybe you can take us through a, a few of the various allowances and tax reliefs, Phil. Shall we start with pensions? Yeah, pe- pensions is a, a great one to start with. I mean, to go through and just tell people a wee bit about pensions, is you, you can actually contribute as much as you like into a pension, but there's a limit on the amount of tax relief that you'll earn. Now, they, they have what's called the annual allowance, and that's currently £40,000. So an individual, they can pay up to £40,000 into their pension. But if your earnings are less than that, the maximum you can pay in is up to your annual earnings and you would get tax relief on that. So it's, it's called relevant UK earnings. So if, if someone's earnings are less than 40,000, so let's say you were earning 20,000 pound a year, you could pay the whole 20,000 pounds in in one tax year and get tax relief on that. If you were earning 100,000 pounds in a, a tax year, you can pay up to 40,000 pounds in and get tax relief on it. If you paid more than that in, you wouldn't get the, the tax relief. So everyone's got this kind of annual allowance, the amount that they can pay in. And, and what you'll find, I suppose, the, the more someone's making, the more, not the more important that the kind of planning is for this, but they, they want to take advantage of all these mm. allowances and, and reliefs that you get as well. One thing with pensions is, so you, you've got this £40,000 annual allowance and they, there are options where you can carry forward unused allowances with pensions from the, the last three years. So if, if someone came into money and they, they were taking financial advice, the financial advisor might say, right, have you maxed out what you can pay in a pension and get tax relief on it? So that's where your financial advisor can sit down with you and go through all of this sort of things to make sure that you're you're getting the, the kind of making the, the most of all the reliefs and, and things that you've got. Another thing with, with pensions is that you, you also have what's called a lifetime allowance. And this places a limit on the amount that you can hold across all your pension funds. Um, again, without having to pay extra tax when you withdraw the money. So that limit is currently £1,073,100. So if you've got more than that in your pension pot, when you start to withdraw money out, again, that's where a financial advisor will look at all the different tax charges. Now, that lifetime allowance has been frozen. So again, people's pension funds, once you've invested the money and it goes up, that that's something that it's good to look at all of these sort of things and, and plan for it, especially if you're at that limit or close to that sort of limit. And one thing I found over the years, I'm, I'm coming across more and more people who are kind of at that sort of figures. I mean, for, for the majority of people, they'll never be nowhere near that. But there are a, a lot of people or more I'm finding that, that are close to that. So, and, and if, if you're a high earner, another sort of area that you can plan at this time of year, if you've got children under 18 hmm. or you've maybe got a spouse that doesn't work or, or if they if you've got a spouse who who's not working or not earning enough to pay income tax you might want to look at paying in a pension for them so that's things that it's a good time of year to be looking at that sort of thing and you, you can actually pay in like if you've got kids you, you can pay in an annual contribution you can pay in 2880 pounds which along with the tax relief that's added takes up to 3600 pounds a year so 
even if you've maxed out your own limits, you might think, right, I want to pay in for the kids or pay in for a spouse. That, that's that's kind of like the options there. So a lot of planning that can be done with pensions around this time of year. Something, as you mentioned it there, I thought, oh, yeah, you can, start, you can start a pension for kids because people just assume that they start paying a pension when they start earning money, you know, working in a full-time job. But you you can. We've done it before. We've talked about it on uh, on various shows in our back catalogue. Okay, so that's that's pensions. Next is that one that I remembered, ICES and, and also junior ICES. Tell us a bit more about those, Phil. Yeah, ISAs, what an ISA is, is an, an individual savings account. We'll, I'll use the term ISA just to, to make things quicker. So everyone's got an allowance where you can put £20,000 for the current tax year into an ISA. Now, with your ISA, you can put all of that £20,000 into what's called a cash ISA. So that's just like a, a bank or building society account. You can invest the whole amount into stocks and shares ISA. And you also have now what's called an innovative finance ISA. So there's a lot of different options there. The other good thing as well is you can actually mix and match. So you can put some in cash. You can have some in stocks and shares. You can have some in a, an innovative finance one if you wish as well. The main thing is that you don't exceed that £20,000 limit that you can put in. Now, the good thing with ISAs is any money that you make, you don't have any income tax or capital gains tax to pay. So, so ISAs are a good tool that's available there. So you have no income tax, no capital gains tax to pay on any proceeds. One thing that's important to note with ISAs is you can't carry over any unused allowance from one year to the next. So if you don't invest your money in an ISA in one tax year, your allowance the following tax year will still be whatever the, the allowance is. So this year it's £20,000. In the next tax year, it's £20,000 as well. Now, so with, with pensions, because they're subject to the annual allowance and the, the lifetime limits, ISAs are an excellent way of kind of topping up your retirement income if you're at that limit. So again, for, for people who are at that point, ISAs are, are an excellent way of kind of planning for the future as well. well. One thing I've found with ISAs is that at this time of year, you get a bit of a rush on them. Folk will, will use their allowance right at the end of the tax year. But I'm always like, well, why do you not just put it in at the beginning of the tax year, use your allowance and any money you make? So we, we tend to find, we, we see a bit of a rush. It's often called ISA season at the moment. But there, there's also options where in certain circumstances, ISAs, they can use any existing investment holdings to either open up or they open a, an ISA or top up ISA arrangements. And it's what's called a bed in ISA. So that's something, again, a financial advisor can help people with, with that and make the most of all the, the allowances. And by doing that, it's a way of transferring assets held outside of an ISA into an ISA that so that future investment income and growth are sheltered from tax. If if investments are sold and cash is transferred into the ISA, the, invest, the same investment can be repurchased usually there. One thing to note is that charges could apply and you could end up with a capital gains tax liability. If the gain that somebody makes exceeds the, the capital gains tax allowance, they, they would have tax to, to pay. But again, for people in that position, that's where it's great to sit down with your financial planner and they can look at all the, the ins and outs of that because it, there's a lot of areas of planning to, to kind of look at there. With ISAs as well, you've also got 
a lifetime ISA. So that's another option that's available to adults under the age of 40. So again, that's things that can be explored at this kind of time of year. And if you've got kids, you, you've also got junior ISAs. You, you can invest up to £9,000 per child into a junior ISA. And that can be, it's a way that parents or grandparents, they, they can often save for their, their children or grandchildren. It's got to, to, one point to note is that it's got to be the person or parent or person with parental responsibility that opens junior ISAs, but anybody can pay into them. So junior ISAs are another way of kind of planning at the end of the tax year as well. Yeah, the only thing that I think is a setback with the junior ISA there, Phil, is that, you know, I'm, I'm using these options to sort of stuff my money into like into like pillows, figuratively speaking. And once I've given it into that junior ISA, I can't get it back from those kids, damn it. I know. And that's one thing to note as well. At, at the age, once the, the child hits 18, they can get access to that money as well. And the money is theirs, so... I know we've discussed yeah. it on previous podcasts. It's like it's when I was 18, <laughs> I mean, that money is meant to be for your future. And I'm sure the parents have got yeah. thinking, right, that's maybe a college fund or you can use it as a deposit in a house. But I know when I was 18, I'd have been thinking, all oh, right, that's a couple of good nights out there. Yeah, it's putting the ISA into the disaster in the making, I have to say. Um, now, but those are ISAs. And, and just, I mean, we're only two different ways in. So pensions and ISAs. And already I'm thinking, God, if I had if I had a lot of money, I'd be doing all of this. You can also give away certain amounts every year up to a certain level, can't you? I mean, is that inheritance tax planning? Explain that one more fully to yeah, us, Yeah, again, another thing that's good to look at at this time of year is things like Inheritance tax planning or, or IHT for short is often IHT planning is often what it's called. And if you've got an inheritance tax liability, you'll generally tend to, to know about it. So if you've assets over £325,000, that's when you may be subject to inheritance tax. But there, there's other things. Again, we, we've done a whole show on inheritance tax planning. I think that was episode 49 that we covered that. So You've that, checked we in, that in advance. There's I no know, way you I, I, brought that out your mind. It's an odd show, I think. I remember <laughs> the, the number that we did on, on that one. But inheritance tax planning can be quite complex but just just as a, a kind of rough thing, put, mm. put a financial advisor will be looking at for someone at this time of year if they've got an IHT liability or, again, if they think they may have one in the, the future. One thing that you can do is you can make gifts worth up to £3,000 in each tax year, and these gifts are exempt from IHT on your death. You can carry forward any unused part of the £3,000 exemption to the following year, but if you don't use it in that year, that exemption then expires. So for some people, giving away some money is a way of reducing the, their tax liability in the, the future. There are certain gifts that don't use up this annual exemption. However, there's still no IHT due <clears throat> on certain things like wedding gifts for your children. You can give them up to £5,000. For grandchildren or great-grandchildren, it's 2500 And for anyone else getting married, you can give them up to £1,000 without that being subject to, to inheritance tax. You can gift away, like gifts of up to £250 are also free of inheritance tax. So if you wanted to give away £250, as many people as you wanted, 
that's one way of reducing your, your IHT liability as well, but they're relatively small sums. But mm. again, you should be looking to use these things up where possible to kind of gradually reduce your estate over time as well. So that's another area at the minute when you're looking at kind of end attached to your planning. If you're sitting down with your financial planner or financial advisor, they'll look at all of these sort of things as well. Just uh, it occurred to me as you were talking about all these places that you, you could gift for, you know, people getting married or £250 sort of gifts flying out the door left, right and centre. And they don't incur inheritance tax. On the flip side, if you're the recipient and someone gives you that money, say you, say you get gifted the £3,000 that you can... Yep. Are you liable for tax getting that £3,000? No, you, you've no tax to, to pay on that. So oh, okay. if someone... Let's say... I mean, you, you you can actually give away any amount. And if you live seven years, there's no tax liable to that. So if someone uses that £3,000 allowance, let, let's say they'd already used that and they then gift you £10,000. If their estate was subject to inheritance tax, as long as they live for seven years, there's not going to be any tax payable on that. If they were to die within the, the seven years, it, the tax reduces on a kind of sliding scale over that point. But after they've lived for the seven years, there would be no tax to, to pay on that if it was outside that kind of limits that I, I went through there. So if someone gives you £250, fine, you never need to worry about any sort of tax to, to pay on that. Okay, and basically what we're saying about inheritance tax planning is get rich young and and then <laughs> and then live those live those seven years. I watched them. Um, um, I, I was a really good. I can't remember if it was a podcast I listened to, and it was going on about was it Tom Hunter, the guy? He he's like a fit. Scottish quick fit guy, bar. and and it was saying but his goal in the first half of his life was to try and accumulate as much wealth as oh. possible. And then in the second half of his life, to give it all away. Right, now I want to give it all away. That, yeah. that was kind of his goal. And it's just, I mean, like tax is an important thing. If everybody needs to pay tax, because if we didn't do that, we wouldn't have street lighting. We wouldn't have the council services that we get, but it's looking at ways to legitimately reduce your tax liability. So using up these, like the inheritance tax, like the, the government takes in a lot of money in inheritance tax. And it's often called a voluntary tax because there are ways that you can plan for it to, to reduce that sort of tax bill. So it is, it's doing all the planning to make sure you're using all your allowances and different sort of things that you've you've got available to you. Just going back a little bit there, Phil, you said that, that you listened to another podcast. I feel Slightly betrayed and used. <laughs> Sorry, I'll get over it. Next is your CGT allowance. Now, you know I hate acronyms, Phil. So what's that? Capital gains tax? And, and yeah, what's C the allowance? Yeah, CGT stands for capital gains tax. And again, we, we did a previous show, episode 78 was one where we went into that in a lot more detail. So what, what we're doing in this show is just touching on the things that's relevant for kind of capital gains tax planning at the end of the, the tax year. So... Every individual is entitled to a capital gains tax annual allowance, which is currently £12,300, or for trusts, it's 6150 so half of that amount for trusts. So currently for an individual, the 12300 is your kind of amount that's, that's kind of, or that allowance that you've got there. Now, with this allowance, you can't carry that relief forward to another tax year. So what some people will do is they'll often think, right, I'll crystallise my gains in something now so you don't have tax to pay so that you can then 
use your allowance in, in subsequent years. But uh, another thing that's important to note with capital gains tax, if you do make capital losses, they can actually be used to offset gains. Now, any above the, the CGT exemption, taxes payable at 10% for basic rate taxpayers, 20% for higher rate taxpayers. The taxable gains on residential property, they're taxed at 18% and 20% sorry, 18% and 28% respectively. So that's if you've got um, like a, a property that's not your main residence because it's exempt from, from capital gains tax. But if you had, for example, buy-to-let properties, that would fall under like residential property there. Other areas of planning when it, it comes to capital gains taxes, assets can be transferred between married couples and civil partners without incurring a gain. So what someone might do is they might think, right, I want to put, transfer this asset into my mm -hmm. husband or wife's name. If you do that, you can then try and use part of their kind of allowances as well. So again, there, there's sort of planning that can be done here. An important thing at this time of year is that the, the capital gains tax allowance, so this year I mentioned it's 12300 but from April 2023, that reduces to 6,000. And then in April 2024, that actually reduces to 3,000. Right. So there's quite significant changes coming to capital gains tax. So it may be that for certain assets, you might think, right, I want to crystallize that gain now. And like an example of that is that somebody might have an investment that's subject to capital gains tax. So they might think, right, I want to cash it in and almost like, take it out, I reinvest into something else and, and like crystallising the gains. So again, that's where a financial planner can come in. And it, it's a good time of year to be reviewing that before this allowance changes in April. Okay. And, and finally here, what exactly is a dividend allowance and how does that work? Yeah, dividend allowances. So for, for the current tax year, investors can earn up to £2,000 in dividend income tax-free now, for the likes of myself, I've I've got a, a limited company, so I get dividends. So the first £2,000 in dividends that I get, don't pay any tax on. It used to be 5000 which was good. That Also, people will get dividends if they've got, for example, shares in a company. Companies will pay out a dividend. So if you've got so much shares in whatever firm it is, you'll get dividends um, over the period of time. So the first £2,000 in dividend income, you don't pay any tax on. Now, how much tax you pay on dividends above the dividend allowance, that depends on your income tax ban. So a basic rate taxpayer would pay 7.5%, a higher rate taxpayer is 32.5%, and an additional rate taxpayer would pay 38.1%. So again, you can utilise that dividend allowance to, to make a bit extra cash there without paying tax on. And another thing that's important, the, the dividend allowance is another one that's a way to reduce as well. So in this tax year, you can make £2,000 of dividends without paying any tax. In the next tax year, that reduces to 1000 And then from the 6th of April, 2024, that's then reducing to £500 wow. at that point. So again, that that's another thing. I mean, the, the Chancellor is looking to recoup money to pay things like the costs of COVID, for example. They, they're kind of battening down the hatches and like that's why a lot of allowances have either been frozen or, or reduced. And you may find, I mean, as as a general election gets closer, mm -hmm. they may look to change some of these sort of things. Nothing ever stays the same 
for, for long in, in the financial world, but that, that's the plan at the minute for those allowances kind of going forward. Just nail this down for me, Phil, because I, I got slightly confused there when you were talking about having dividends in your own company and, you know, if you have shares, having dividends elsewhere. The dividend allowance, it doesn't matter how many dividends you've got, it's it's two and a half thousand and that's it. So if you've got dividend income from different places, it's not two and a half thousand and one dividend, two and a half thousand and another, it's overall, isn't it? Yeah, so the so the allowance is it's two thousand pounds is the amount you can have tax free from dividends. Yeah. And anything over that you've got tax to to pay on. Yeah, sorry, but two thousand. Yeah. So so you could let let's say you've got a thousand pounds dividend from your business, and then you've got another thousand pounds dividends from shares that you own, you wouldn't have any tax to, to pay got on you. that. Got but you. if you had so for me, I've got over a thousand pound, over two thousand pounds in dividends. So any money I make from stocks and shares, any dividends I get from that, I would be paying the the tax on. Yeah. Okay. Got you. Now these allowances, they, they don't always remain the same, as you said there. Governments will will change amounts now and then to balance the books or offer incentives yeah. to vote for them. And as I understand it, they, they've already announced a lot of these current allowances as you go down in this next year, as you say. So now is probably a really good time to look at things, right? Definitely, especially when all the allowances are away to go down. And like I say, if you're someone who's got a lot of money and a lot of wealth, you want to make the most of all of these allowances and, and reliefs that you get. So that's why it's important to look at financial planning, sit down with your financial advisor. They can see, right, are you maxing out your pensions? Have you Do you have an inheritance tax liability? Can you use up? CGT allowances, really is, it's an important time to, to sit down. I mean, a good financial planner should be doing this with their clients on an ongoing basis. But a lot of people, the, the, the apathy, but I know what it's like, life gets in the way and you think, oh, look at that somewhere down the line. But as with, with all these allowances changing, it is a very good time to sit down with somebody in the coming weeks before the, the tax year ends. Just when, you, when you're sitting there, Phil, you know, a good financial planner should be doing this anyway. When when financial planners make their money, do they do they do this at a, a, an extra rate, or you know, if I take on a financial planner and say, "Look, I've got all these things," should they just phone you up out the blue and say, Look, "To earn my money, I'm suggesting you do these things." Yeah, I mean, a, a financial advisor. If if someone goes to them for the first time, some financial advisors will charge you for sitting down to review everything. Many will do a free initial review. We we do that because we know that there's not many people that we can't help in some way or another. If you're dealing with someone from the first time, for the first time, there may be a charge for setting something up initially. Most financial firms will offer some kind of option where you can pay for ongoing financial advice. And, and what they'll do there, like part of that will be making sure that you're using up your reliefs. The financial advisor will also kind of cover things like um, any sort of tax changes that may come up because nothing stays the same for, for long. So they'll continue to review some of these kind of financial objectives and priorities. They'll review like what's called their attitude to risk and capacity for loss. So they'll see if that's changed over time. They would usually tend to review the client's investment portfolio to see how that's doing, review where what's called asset allocation to see where they're investing their money, they do any rebalancing if if it was needed. Also, at times that there may be times that they'll suggest like switching the funds that somebody's invested in. But it's good because they can also look at things like legit 
slate of changes that have came in. Family succession planning is is important. But like I say, things like tax planning. I know that the financial advisors at my firm, they'll sit down with clients and they'll say, right, you've not used your ISA allowance, so let's move money out of this one into this. Let's use your allowances. That's all part of the stuff that they do on what's called like the ongoing sort of servicing of, of a client. And so some clients, it'll be, they'll come in and just do things on a transactional basis and they would pay as and when they're doing something. But for, for most of the clients we deal with at my firm, they'll tend to pay for the ongoing advice that they're getting. And that's where their financial planner will keep in touch with them and be going through all of this sort of stuff. Got you. And, and all of these types of planning are, are absolutely bog standard in what financially astute people with good accountants and financial planners are doing every year. So where is it that the super rich get called out or, or into trouble? I mean, if we happen to ever find ourselves in a situation where somebody says to us, you know, you could pay less tax if you just do this. <laughs> what are the things that we absolutely have to avoid? Yeah, that's it. Tax planning, it's such an important area of financial planning. And I mentioned earlier, you've got like tax evasion, which is illegal. And then you've got tax avoidance, which can often be fine. So for example, an ISA is really, I mean, to me, an ISA is a tax avoidance scheme because you mm. put your money in your ISA and you don't have tax to, to pay on it. And that's a genuine thing that's out there for people to to utilize. Again, listen to a, a good podcast. I think it was Stephen Bartlett's Diary of a CEO. I, I was on a flight recently and I listened to the, the episode with Jimmy Carr that was on it and it was really good and, and Jimmy Carr had said he goes oh I was making so much money and then somebody came to him and they're like would you like to pay less tax and of course he's like yes and then they said oh well it's a, a really aggressive tax avoidance scheme and and he he was like yeah at the time they just said right do you want to pay less tax so of course he's like yeah great didn't really think of the morals of it. I mean, he took pelters for the, mm. the sort of things that, that he was in. But what you find with a lot of the super rich, they, they'll find ways to kind of like tax avoidance schemes that might involve setting up offshore businesses or they, they'll have people who are looking to exploit various tax loopholes. And and I guess you think, is like does is there a point where it becomes immoral I mean that that's 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 the thing, isn't it? Yeah, it's it's yeah. not illegal, but it's unethical. I, I tell you, that's probably the best way to to kind of describe it. And so I think there, like I say, you, you've got all these allowances, like your inheritance tax allowances. You can invest money in pensions, ISAs. These are all kind of things that the government giving you the the option to do. So you've got like take advantage of it while while they're there. That that's the thing, and then. Like you say, the super rich, they, they are often... The thing that annoys me is all these companies that hardly pay any tax in the UK. They make a lot of money and then they find ways to filter it other places. That, that's Ireland, the thing. That, yeah. Yeah. I'd say you've got different... I mean, like Amazon, for example, yeah. often they, like you, you sometimes see in the news and it'll say, oh, this company's paid only such and such corporation tax in the UK. And you think, how'd they get away with it? But yeah. if everybody was paying... The tax would be in a lot better position than we are at the minute. <laughs> Finally, Phil, just summarise the key points to me and where someone can start in this, because that's, I mean, we've covered quite a bit here and okay, we're scratching the surface, but often I find the toughest part is actually getting started when we've bombarded someone with information. Yeah, I mean, I, I would say for at the minute, I mean, with the tax year end imminent, 
get in touch with your financial planner. Maybe we've got financial planners that can can speak to people all over the UK. If you're looking for one local in your area, the website unbiased.co.uk is really good. It can give you a, a list of ones in, in your area that can help. So I'd say just getting started. If someone wants it as well, we, we've also got a couple of really good sort of documents that we can email people if they want it. We've got one end of tax year planning, getting to grips with the, the basics. Um, so if anybody wanted that document, I could easily email it. We've also got the a same document on ISAs and also one on, on pensions as well. So it's just like an introduction to ISAs and pensions, just kind of telling you how they, they sort of work. So if anybody wanted any of that documents, just drop me an email. It's phil at philandersonfinancial.co.uk and I can get that things and we, we've got various tax guides and, and stuff as well but that one there either the, the introduction to pensions document introduction to ISAs or the end of tax year planning document anybody wants them I can email them to you we won't bombard you with any emails or add you any email list so if you want that just get in touch Brilliant. And I'll give you a recap of that email address before we finish today. Now, in a moment, we'll get Phil's quote of the week, which I always enjoy. But uh, first, it's a look at Phil's own life and how this week's particular topic has impacted him throughout the years. So, Phil, this week, end of year tax planning. What have you got on that? Yeah, it's something I'm looking at for myself just now. I am selling a, a percentage of the business, just a small percentage. But kind of thought, I was like, do it now. You, you've got something called, well, it used to be called Entrepreneur's Relief. So that's a way of trying to reduce your, your tax bill. And again, taking advantage of the, the capital gains tax allowance while it's at the limit that it's at just now before it drops. So that that's something I'm doing, speaking to my accountant, getting that sort of finalised to go through in the next week or two. So I, I, it's things that I've done myself. And, and again, it's just using that allowance while it's still there. Absolutely. Now, Phil's quote of the week. I know you're a fan of inspirational quotes, Phil, and avid collector of them, in fact. So what have you got to suit our topic this week on end of year tax planning? This one's an absolute cracker from somebody <laughs> called Conan O'Brien. Now, the, the rate, I don't know when this came out or maybe where he's based. This was a really good one. Just taught my kids about taxes by eating 38% of their ice cream. <laughs> I was like, that's just, uh, I mean, like in the UK, I mean, you, you could lose, like depending on what tax rate you're paying, I mean, you, you can see more than half your, your kind of earnings disappear in tax and national insurance. So I was like, that's quite a, quite a clever quote, I thought. Conan O'Brien's a very clever guy. He is, well, he started his, his career on Saturday Night Live in America and then wrote for The Simpsons as well. Okay. And then did late night TV ah, actually, in, in America. Learn something new every day. There you go. And also, if you're into your podcast, Phil, and, and on a flight soon, there's a, a great podcast that he does called Conan O'Brien Needs a Friend, where he, it's a, basically it's an interview show with the stars that he does every week, but it's in very Conan O'Brien style. It's slightly offbeat and slightly, uh, well, it's hysterical actually at times. Yeah, now, oh, brilliant. Phil is uh, really keen on trying to help you with your query. So if ever you want to email a question to us, please do. And as always, we can ask them anonymously if you wish. Let's get on to this week's contact details coming up. We'll give it to you after these. Hi, Phil. My grandpa passed away recently. My granny's due to receive what he had in his will. I don't imagine it'll amount to all that much, but she's already talking about giving money to us and the grandkids. I don't want to sound ungrateful, but equally... I don't want my grand to inadvertently steer herself wrong by doing what she thinks is simply a nice thing my grandpa would have wanted. Is there anything specific I need to know about passing down cash gifts 
etc. We could just rewind this ten minutes, could we? <laughs> yeah, I guess as well. I mean, if she feels she can afford it, then then that's fine from her financial position. What one thing? I mean, it it doesn't sound like it. On, on this one, but again, depending on the wealth they've got, I mean, if, if somebody ever, if, if they ended up in a care home, mm. like the, when they're getting assessed by the council, they would look at things and say, well, is it like deliberate deprivation? Are they trying to get rid of assets to avoid things like care home costs? On, on this one, just from, I mean, without having all the details, you can never really assume, but if it's small amounts, then that, that probably wouldn't come into play at all, so it should be fine. But if their gran or um, grandpa, was it the, the grand, I think, said was was leaving them the money, yeah. if they wanted to do that, I, I'm sure that would be fine. Yeah, I mean, you know, you've got that deprivation thing, but also you've got being a nice granny, and that's what she's doing, <laughs> I think. Uh, next up, here's one from Stephen and Dundee, who says, Hi, Phil, like a lot of folk right now, my business is doing okay, but struggling to cope with exorbitant business rates. And I'm lucky enough that I'm able to move out and work from home to make a saving. My business is consultancy related, so I won't ever have meetings with clients in my home, but I do need to set up office space. I'm wondering how this might affect insurance issues or anything else I haven't thought of you'd recommend for such a move. It'd be good to check their home insurance provider to see what they're kind of saying about things. And one of the things you might want to check with them is to see if they would cover like any work equipment or work items that you, you might have in the house. Another thing that could impact is your, your mortgage. Lenders will tend to generally be okay if, if someone's working for home just doing kind of like admin tasks. They'll, they'll tend to be okay with that. But if you had, I, I've seen, I remember once, going to a client's house and they had a big workshop <laughs> doing like uh, like this great big workshop yeah. at their house. And that, that's the sort of thing that lenders probably wouldn't be so keen on because if they think it might impact the resaleability of a property or the value of it, then they might they be so keen on that type of work for home. But so that, that's something else just to bear in mind as well. It's funny, you know, uh, when when you the moment you started down the line of saying, if you're just doing like admin work at home, at the moment you started saying that, in my mind's eye, someone started up a chainsaw in a workshop. <laughs> I, was like, I just I just had that vision. Uh, we just say as well before you get in touch with a question, you might want to take a look at our back catalogue because we've covered a lot of topics now, as you uh, you may have gathered, and uh, we may have touched on what you're interested in. I'm John Ellis. Thank you for joining us for episode 124 of the UK Personal Finance Show with Phil Anderson. If you feel you need a helping hand with anything we've been discussing or anything else of a monetary matter, find Phil for finance. Search Phil Anderson Financial Services online or join the Facebook group for the show. Search Personal Finance Community. That's Personal Finance Community on Facebook. Phil's on Twitter and LinkedIn as well. Or why not email Phil a question he can answer on a future show or get in touch for one of those uh, documents he was talking about earlier. His address is phil at philandersonfinancial.co.uk. That's phil at philandersonfinancial.co.uk. Send him your question and Phil could be answering it in an upcoming podcast. And please be assured, we'll never use your real name if that's how you prefer it. Remember, if you found this useful, please rate and recommend us. And please follow us on Apple or wherever you get your podcasts. Then you'll get us every week with the info you want when you need it. You'll get all the links you need on Phil's social media. Good luck with your money. Phil's doing his best to help make that cash go further. We'll see you next time. And thanks for listening. Thanks, John. Thanks, John.